Well, I greeted you just a moment ago with Happy New Year, but I really meant to say, as I say now, Holy New Year, Holy New Year. Um, you know, I, I've struggled so much in the last few days about what to think about in the church, because I know I'm talking to some of the best people on earth, and uh, I wish, I was kind of hoping God would give me some sort of a catchy little points to make to say, this is how we get through the new year. Lean not to uh, our own understanding, but trusting in God. And all those things are true and necessary. But for some reason, I've, I've settled on holiness. And I'm going to tell you, I've had a battle with the devil. I don't know if you've ever had a vision of Satan, but I have. I remember last night, I knew it was coming. I knew it before I got into bed, but I knew it. And I, and I had this vision of the devil. And it's like he's blocking the road. And, and I struggle with that. I mean, I got to tell you, it was real. My heart was actually racing. The devil is real, too. Don't you ever forget that. And the one thing that Satan hates is holiness. You hear me? He hates it because he knows the power of it. He knows that God is pleased with it. And he knows how God blesses it. But, you know, I laid there and I struggled with it. Don't ever give up, though, just because you have something that you don't like to deal with in front of you. But I remember as I laid there, I, I cried out to God in my heart, and, and then I saw Jesus. <laughs> I'm not trying to be, a, a, you know, finicky, little spiritualizing little preacher, but I did. I saw, I saw Jesus on a throne, and it was like I was sitting at his feet. Man, I don't know where this comes from. But, but it just brought so much comfort on me, and Satan just disappeared. I mean, flat disappeared. And sometimes those are the struggles we have to fight in this life. But I, I just uh, am more inclined to, to believe that God has called us to be holy. And I think we're living in a world that has watered down that calling from God. We know that Jesus died to bring us to God. But bringing us to God means that we have to come holy. Because God is holy, okay? Jesus Christ not only died for our sins, he died to make us holy. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says he is our sanctification. And that is the process of making holy. And you know, holiness is probably, probably the most hated doctrine, I believe, that I know of in, in Protestant theology. I think we fear that it, it might mean, well, we, we, we're, we're saved by works then if we've got to be holy. Um, or maybe, maybe we have this idea that holiness is, is for ladies wearing their hair in a bun all the time with, with very long dresses on and guys that are, uh, you know, just, just solemn and never smiles and, maybe even live in monasteries. We have this idea of holiness. We, we have this idea too that, well, if you're going to promote holiness, you, who are you? Are you holier than everybody else? And if we're really honest with our, with our uh, fallen nature, we, none of us really want to be too holy. <laughs> I mean, we're living in a world that says uh, nobody's wrong. Everybody's right. That's the kind of world we're living in. 
And, and we, can, we need to understand, and I believe that, that God is calling us. I just trust this in my heart. And if I'm wrong, I pray that God will convict me because I can be wrong. I'm so weak. And, but but I, I, I think about what brings us to holiness and know the need of it is a crisis. I mean, sometimes God knows we need more than just a little nudges of our everyday religious life. We need more than just the privilege of sweetness of coming to church every Sunday and going out to eat dinner with our families after, me, after the service. You've got to know that, that God has interrupted that. You know, see, see holiness is a private venture first. It's more important to have holiness in your home than it is in church. It is. In fact, if you don't have it in your home, it's a great affront to God and everybody else if you come to church trying to live in an unholy way. But always a crisis brings us to that. It happened in 9-11. And I believe the pandemic that, that God has, has caused or allowed, however you want to decide, I believe that it's from God. And I believe that's a call for us to be holy. And what does holy mean? Holy means to be separated. It means to be morally perfect in every word, every thought, every action, every imagination that is correlated completely and exactly and absolutely with God's holy word. And there's no way to water it down and to say, this is okay. <laughs> I mean, we have a lot of catchy little descriptions of sinful lifestyles in the world today that imply that, well, it's not so bad. <laughs> I mean, when are we going to say, what does God think about it? I mean, I want to be holy, and I know you do, and I, and I believe that you are. And it's because of the grace of God. Yesterday, uh, I was uh, riding through the pasture of Peninsula with two of my grandchildren, Emory Grace and Jackson Weston. And Emory Grace was sitting in my lap, and we were just riding, and uh, just out of the blue, she said, Granddaddy, I love you. Now, all of my children and grandchildren have told me that. My wife. But, but I guess in the mode I was in and studying about this subject, because of the road I was in, I just haven't got over that. Because you know what that did to me? That, wants to, that makes me say, well, well I want to live holy. If, if that little girl is going to say, Granddaddy, I love you, I don't want that to be just because she rides in the pasture sitting on my lap. And you have children. And you have grandchildren and spouses and friends. And I want you all to know that how you live affects them. The holier we try to live, it makes a difference in their lives. You know, as I lay there last night, I mean, there's a holiness deal. And, you know, holiness is not about rolling in the church pews or, uh, or speaking in tongues or raising up your hands or shouting hallelujah. I'm not saying anything's necessarily wrong with those things, but that's not what makes up holiness. Holiness is a complete humility because there's no room for pride in holiness. 
You see, holiness is not about, uh, I want to have this victory in Jesus. So I'm going to display a life that it shows the experiences. I'm a holy person. No, no, that's not, per, that's not, that's selfishness is what that is. You see, you see, holiness is not the cause of redemption. Redemption brings on holiness. <laughs> because God changes your nature. He puts his spirit in you, and, and it's called, by the way, don't we know it is a holy spirit? So it means that God has called us to live a life that is apart from the world, though that doesn't mean we live in some sort of cave. <laughs> Jesus never lived like that, though he was not in this world in a way, he was really not of the world, he was somewhere else, he was with God. And when you get with God and you get holy with God and you get serious with it, then you're going to see things in life like you've never seen it before. Maybe it will be a grandchild telling you they love you. But even greater than this, hey, this book is a Jesus, the only one, the only way of holiness saying, I love you. <laughs> that's what, that's what most motivates holiness. And, and I don't have to say, you know, I, I'm trying to introduce this in a minute. I want to get to it a little bit. But I think about God in this. And we all know how much we need God desperately. And I believe we as a nation, as a church, as, a, as individuals are already right at the threshold of a world that is changing probably forever. And so we're going to have to really pull over on the side of the road and look at our map. And wonder and say, God, what is really important? What really, Lord, is, is, is matters to you is what I want to matter to me. Because, you know, we need God so much, don't we? Well, can he bless us? Can he really bless this nation? I wonder. No, no, let me rephrase that. He can do it. But I wonder if he will. Look at, um, look at Jeremiah, not Jeremiah, Isaiah. We could look at Jeremiah, but I want to look at Isaiah first. I want to do a series, if God would help me. Please pray for me, because I know the devil's coming back. And I want to try to do some sermon messages from, from Isaiah 35, and then go to other places. But I want to... The theme is, is going to be um, holiness, the highway of holiness. It's right here in this chapter. And it's taking the scenic view in 2021. So I'm going to read these 10 verses of Isaiah 35, but I want to tell you before that, this chapter in Isaiah is sort of a reprieve from the darkness of the life of Israel. Because they decided they were not going to be holy. They pretty much decided that it didn't matter what God said. They were going to go along with the culture. You know, there is a culture of holiness. That means that we kind of tweak our lives to fit with what other so-called Christians are doing. And we ought to be careful of that. So, 
So right here in, that, in Isaiah 35, it's kind of a retrie- retrieve where, where, and I know it's a prophecy, okay, of, of a better time coming. E- even the end times of the, of the renewed and redeemed earth. But, and, and the return of Jews, and I believe it, it means that in a lot of ways. But what I'm going to deal with is how this applies to us today. Since God is an unchanging God, and though he uses this different dispensations, his principles are the same. And he'll never, he'll, never, he'll never call us not to be holy. And by the way, every Christian is called to be holy. No matter what you do for a living, no matter what your skin color is, what your mom and daddy did, or, or your grandmama, or what you know, whether you're educated or whether you're not, whether you're a preacher or not. I mean, I mean that you can be a preacher without being holy. Unfortunately. Even Satan himself is described as an angel of light. But, but in this chapter, this, this 10 verses, God kind of lifts out through the prophet Isaiah the, 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 the hope and the, the journey that's before a people. And, and, and it, it, it talks about God's grace. It talks about the holiness of God. It talks about sin. It talks about Jesus. This is the first book that really points to the Savior, or the first chapter. And then, and then it, it talks about grace. And that's the kind of the points I want to use today, but let's read them together. It says in verse 1 of Isaiah 35, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. See, it doesn't always have to be dismal. See, God makes the difference. He makes the difference in your life and your circumstances. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. That's none other than God's holiness. Second Chronicles talks about the beauty of God's holiness. We need to see God is His beauty. I mean, holiness is the crown of all God's attributes. When you talk about a a powerful God, you're talking about a holy power. When you're talking about a merciful God, you're talking about a holy mercy. When you're talking about a loving God, you're talking about a holy love. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, and even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. That's what I want to say to you and to me in 2021. God will come, and God will save. He is our Savior, and He is a whole Savior. He does not forgive us just of our sins. He brings us to a holy life because what you're living as a believer is Christ in you. We must come to the grips that we are not our own, that we are God's. And you are the temple of a Holy Spirit living in you. 
So you be careful how you live. What you do, what you say, what you think. Now, listen. We can look at some verses and you know them where God says, be ye therefore holy. Well, I'm holy. We can look at verses that say, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. We can go all over this, this Bible from Abraham when God called him out of the air of the Chaldees and said, Abraham, walk before me and be thou perfect. There's a lot of that in the Bible. But nowhere do I see where, where anybody has ever attained that <laughs> other than Jesus. Okay? That doesn't mean that God has not called us to do it. Okay? So I don't want you to be discouraged because there is a truth that we cannot live holy. <laughs> if, you, if I ask you have, have you ever have you had a sinful thought in the last three months and you tell me, no, I haven't, I will tell you you're lying. But I'm just saying, don't fear. Be strong. Fear not. Take a look. Behold, that's what that means. You're God. Jesus. The Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit. You look at that. That's the scenic view. And you're not going to find God somewhere out in this world. You're going to find this God having a pity party when you're looking around. I mean, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to come to the responsibility of saying, listen, Jesus died for me. And he loves me. And he died for you. And he loves you. And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. See, that's one of the first things God does when he saves us. He opens our eyes so that we see sin. You see light. He is light. God is holy. That's he is light, and in Him, the Bible says, there's no darkness at all. So when you look at God and how He works and, and does and creates the material creation, what was the first thing that happened? Light. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And in the spiritual creation, the first thing God does, it says, let there be light in your heart. See, the first thing that happens to a person that's been born again and saved by God's grace is we understand that we're sinners. See, to understand that is understand that we need a Savior. Because, see, you, you know it's true that Jesus said, I'm going to make you free. But he also hymns us in. See, he's not going to let us have everything like we think we want. Now, the deal with sin is deal, the sin is so powerful that, that it hangs around in your heart after you've been saved. <laughs> it's got those old roots in there. You see? No, it doesn't have a dominion over you. 
But Jesus is only the reason that not happened because he says not only has he died to, to free us from the penalty of sin, that's what his blood paid for, all your sins are paid for, but he also died to free us from the power of sin. So we go on. Then shall the lame man leap as a harp and the tongue of the dying dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water and the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. See, that's what God's grace does. He converts an unholy life to flourishing. My goodness, what the difference makes. That's why God has to make us holy. So he wrote his law on our heart in the new covenant. That's to make us holy. So don't be afraid of being called a saint because that's what you are because Jesus Christ has freely forgiven you and brought about his righteousness, imputed rather, in your heart. Now verse 8 is kind of the theme verse I want to use. And a highway shall be there. Right in this wilderness. Right in this pandemic. Right in whatever crisis you're going through. Loss of a loved one, a failed marriage, health issues. I want to say there's a way. And a highway shall be there, not a pig path. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about a little path. Now, you got to look. I'm talking about a highway. I mean, I, mean, I can remember growing up in the country. People call that the hard road. You know, you can get to the hard road. You ever get to the hard road, you got it made. That's what Jesus is. He's the way, the truth, and the life. It shall be called the way of holiness. It's a named road, a highway, a prominent way. It's called the way of holiness. And either we're going the right way or we're going the wrong way. The unclean shall not pass over it. But it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, though fools shall not err therein. Every person that God has chosen in Christ, no matter how wretched their lifestyle may have been at one time, when they come to Jesus, he says, he or she that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And Ephesians 1 tells us that we have been made accepted in the blood. You know what that means? You're holy. So we need to make sure that God has called upon for our heart cry of understanding that Lord, I don't feel holy. But what you're going to find out is what may, you get on this road, you're going to understand that you're not so holy, but that humbleness brings you to the point that you realize that your only hope is God, and when we come to stand, we understand that, that all that holiness requires, grace provides. Okay? No line shall be there. See, this is safe road. You get on this highway. You know, we hear often now, be safe, stay safe. I want you to stay safe. You're going to stay safe on the highway of holiness. 
nor any no lion shall be there, nor any ravenous bird shall go up thereon. It shall be not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk therein. You don't have to run. You can walk one step at a time, one day at a time. But always remember, you're walking on the highway of holiness. That's why the scripture says, any kind of venture we're taking, and we're on a venture, God's people are, that we're to lay aside every sin and wait that easily besets us. And so you know what the greatest besetting sin is? It's unbelief. It's so, so holiness is not so much what we need to do but what we need to believe. Okay? You believe that Jesus died for your sins, that he is holy, that God is holy, and God has made that so and brought you to him. Now this highway is a plan road. If you were out near 67, you know in the last few years, how, many, how long would it take to build that road? I remember when I first came to church here, tried to preach back 15 years ago, I remember they were building bridges, that same road. You know, that's how God does. God has a plan this way of the highway of holiness. You see, it didn't surprise God that man sinned. <laughs> I mean, you don't think, do you, that God just said, wait a minute, these guys are sinning, I've got to do something quick. No, no, all that was planned before the foundation of the world. So the first thing a, a, a road engineer will do is say, we're going to have these bridges. I mean, you've got to get through the hard places. You've got to get through the sloughs and the rivers. How are you going to do that? You're going to build a bridge. God says, how are you going to get through sin? He's going to build a bridge, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> I mean, he gets you through it. You, 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 most of you have been a lot more places than I have, but in my little travels, I remember going through a, a, a highway under the Chesapeake Bay. I mean, there's got a road, 8, 10, 12 lanes, right under Chesapeake Bay. I mean, I've been up in parts of West Virginia, and, there, and you go, you got a highway right through a mountain. I, I mean, you think God can't build a way? I mean, he brings this out of the wilderness, don't you see? Doesn't matter what kind of mountain you got to climb, what, what is out there, some sort of obstacle, some pandemic or some break or hurt in your life. Understand, God says, here's a way. It's holiness. See, Jesus humbled himself. Left his throne of heaven to come down here to build this road. I mean, wouldn't it be silly, not be uh, even foolish not to use it? I had a friend of mine call me a couple weeks ago and said, uh, Randy, have you got any grass hay? I said, yeah, I got some. He was a logger, this guy. I knew years ago, he said, I thought you might have some. We're logging over there in the, not too far. He said, we need some hay. I didn't know what he needed hay for. He said, you know, we need to put that hay in a road. He said, do you know what? You can take hay, grass hay, and lay it in a road and spread it out and said, that stuff dries, it's just like concrete. That's what he said. You know, I've been thinking about Jesus ever since. 
You don't think about, hey, you cut it, you cut it, you down. It's like Jesus was cut down and, and he was put on the cross and he died and he rose again and, and that hay rose again and it was round up and it was bailed and he said, you give me a bell of that and I'll make you a road. So when you get to a boggy place in life, you understand, I'm going to find Jesus somewhere in this. Here it is, highway of holiness. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That's the difference. It doesn't matter which road you own, by the way. Now, now if you, you know in your heart, if you're on the wrong road, God allows you turn. I'm going to tell you something else about this highway. You know, you say, well, how in the world do I get on this thing? I mean, there's a lot of on-ramps. You just bow down and you say, God, I'm, I need you so much and I want to be just like you call me to be because, God, I, I just don't want to waste any more of my life. Because you feel that, that need that's in there. God is working your life with his Holy Spirit. And you're called to be holy. See, God is holy. I want to say quickly, Four quick things. Because you're on this way of highway, this highway of holiness, you're going to see God, first of all. See God. In fact, Hebrews 12, 14 says, Without holiness, no man shall see God. That's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. See, that's why Jesus is our sanctification. He's made you holy. See, again, holiness is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not making a list of prohibitions. You know, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to dance, I'm not going to smoke and all these deals. No, no. See, holiness is faith, holy faith in Jesus. So that every step you take every day, you're mindful of that. It's just the resolve in your mind that He is your holiness. And you understand that God is holy and that God hates sin. See, I think a lot of times we, we water down trying to live a holy life because we have the wrong attitude about sin. We think sin and overcoming sin has give us the victory. You know, there was a time where, you know, people that got on drugs and drank a lot were probably some of the least esteemed in society, maybe. The poor. The... Now... I'm told it's just the opposite. The affluent, the ones that come from the notable households are doing drugs, falling away. So, so we have this attitude, you know, that well, it's victory. You see, what God has called us for is obedience, not victory. Because victory can be selfish. You know, there's a victory in Jesus, and we are more than conquerors through him. That is so true. But when I call you to be attention to God's highway of holiness, you're going to deal with God. And you've got to see him as, as understanding that he has given us all that we need. And he has every right because he hates sin so much. And we need to see a sin that we commit or that we think or that we imagine is a sin against God. 
Not something that's going to prevent us or make us look bad to everybody else. See, Balaam, you think about the scriptures, Balaam and, and uh, Saul, King Saul. I mean, those guys said, I've sinned. Pharaoh. But David said, I've sinned against thee, God, and thee only. And so when we have the attitude of sin, that, that will make us holy. This is what God hates. Do you think my little granddaughter telling me she loves your granddaddy, that I'm going to just turn around and say, I'm going to just spank you. No. You're going to try to do things that please them. God loves you, and we ought to say, God wants you to be holy. He's already said, be ye holy. He says, don't be like everybody else, be holy. Because I'm holy. And I'm going to tell you about sin. I believe you feel the same way. I hate it. I know what it can do to a life. I want to say this about sin too. God often forgives sinners, but he never ever forgives sin. You hear me? Psalm 7 said he's angry with the wicked every day. Don't, don't you paint that just God is, just loves everybody and you know, just winks at it. He hates it. And that's why we desperately need to get on this road of holiness so we can be in a position so God, by his mercy, chooses to bless us. He can do it. I'm reminded of Psalm 78. I think it's verse 41 and 42. Here's Israel. And they've been around this way. I mean, Isaiah 35, they've already been from two captivities, one in Egypt and one in Babylon. And they've been delivered from them all. How many times has God delivered us? And how many times are we going to neglect to walk as God's called us? We see God as holy. He hates sin. We should hate it. You know what? Was it Joseph, Old Testament Joseph? When he was put in a position to sin with Potiphar's wife, he said, how can I do this? sin against my heavenly father so we need to see sin we need to see God we need to see sin and thirdly we need to see Jesus we need to see Jesus because when we see our sin we need to look to Jesus because he's the remedy for it all you know you're going to be a responsible driver anyway you got to keep your eyes on the road okay and you know again again your life and mine when you get, in a, in a literal sense, you're driving out there, you can make a little swirl, kind of go around a, a roadkill or something, everybody else is going to do the same thing. I remember not long ago, we were coming from St. Simons, we got on I-16 and traffic just stopped right after dark one night. I mean, I don't know, it was just dead still for a while. Sometimes we get on the highway of holiness, you know, we just don't seem like we're getting anywhere. And I remember seeing cars. I was pulled over there and I was telling Penny, I said, you know, what's that car doing? That car was taking a right and getting off the, off the interstate, going up the, the own ramp. And you know what? Long before, lots of cars were doing that. And I said, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking I'm going to do. And I was at Topi, I said, if you get me a little break, if I get a break, I'm going to do that too. I'm glad I didn't because all of a sudden I started seeing blue lights in the rearview mirror. And, and the patrolman and a sheriff who was up there stopping everybody there and turning them around. I mean, one guy had a camper 
trailer? You ever seen that guy trying to turn that thing around in that little old ramp? You can't do things just because everybody else is doing them like that. You stay on the road with God. You see Jesus. He's the way. It's a planned way. Never has to be resurfaced. It's a durable road. Safe road. It's the King's Highway. And then certainly, if you're on this road, lastly, you see grace. That's what we got to see. See grace. You know, there was a place in Joshua where they made this, kind of made this deal where they were going to say, well, I'm going to, are you going to be on the highway of holiness? And they said, are you going to serve God? You remember that call, you know, you probably got it in your house. Uh, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know what that means? That means you're going to walk the road of holiness. And you don't mind attesting to that, saying that. That's how we ought to be. And so Joshua calls the people and they said, well, we will serve the Lord. And remember, Joshua said, you can't do it. You won't serve the Lord. You know, I think every one of us would probably say, if God has given us any kind of a glimpse of grace from this man, say, yeah, I want to serve the Lord. I want to be holy. But you can't do it. I'll tell you what you can do. You can, you can, you can appreciate God's grace. You can trust in the merits of the righteous holiness of Jesus. You can put yourself in a position that God will do it. He will, he will lead you in that way. I, I didn't finish that verse a while ago. This is what the devil does when he gets old you sometimes. In Psalm 78, it just comes to my mind though, it says this. When Israel was, you know, decided they would just do it another way. Psalm 78, verse 41 Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. You go read that. See, that's why it's so crucial that we don't limit what God will do. Now, we can't limit what He can do, but we sure can what He will do. And I believe that living holy is what God calls us to do. It does take grace. To live for God. But you know, aren't we saved by grace? Through faith? Then we need to get on the road. Faith, Lord bless you.